I am privileged to address you this morning as uh, Rotarians and the Charter Rotarians. Um, I've been a past president of Rotary, I'm committed to the Rotarian ideals, and I have served in this capacity as a Rotarian for quite a long time. Um, I'm happy to talk to young people. It has always been my passion. I remember that um, when I was a member of parliament, I took youths to meet President Museveni and ask that we pass the Youth Act. So the National Youth Policy of 2011 and 2021 defines all young persons, female and male, aged between the age of 12 and 30 years. Uh, Uganda has the world's youngest population with over 78% of its population below the age of 30. There are only 9% people on the earth, on earth who are over the age of uh, 65. I am one of those. If you have been able to go through to the 9% bracket of the world's population above the age of 65, you have beaten 91% of the world who have failed to make it to the age of 65. So you are very lucky to be among the 9%. So Rotarians, if you meet anybody who is above the age of 65, these are special people like me this morning. So you listen to me because I was able to beat 91% of the people who couldn't make it live this long. Therefore, there, must, there could be something I know that um, you would like to know. And so we share it. So. As the Waganda say, Mburi Tefa Yona. So, I want to put Uganda's youth population at the moment at over 34 million. The manifesto of NRM of 2021 2026 mission has a healthy and productive youth population contributing to a peaceful and prosperous Uganda. So Uganda is uh, endowed with, a, as you know, with very good weather, with abundant food, with um, all the natural things, good soils, good roads now, lot, a lot of peace currently, lots of very decent educated people and a lot of educational facilities. When I was growing up, we had very few schools, we had very good few hospitals. We had actually one university. Now you have 50 universities. We have 20,000 primary schools. There was one primary school in a place where I grew up with Samuel here, Nicholas, called Chamunga. I grew up together. There was only one school, two schools, one Catholic, one Protestant school. Now we have over 20,000 primary schools. We have 3,000 secondary schools. They were just in the whole of Ankore Kingdom, which is the size of Rwanda. There were like four uh, secondary schools. One, Bueranyanji, Ntare, Mbara High School, 
and marry you. There are over 500 tertiary institutions now. In short, right now, the people who are working on Uganda soil are more educated than any other population generation we have ever had. And as chairman of private sector foundation, I can tell you there are many opportunities right now, which opportunities we never ever had. And so I, if, I, if, if life was to be traded, I would trade in my everything that I have and start at zero. If only I could become a youth because the opportunities that are available to the youth, they were never available to us. So I envy you. But even if you put a lot, millions and billions of dollars in front of uh, a person who doesn't want to wake up from his bed, you will never even utilize that money. But right now I'm talking to Rotarians, ambitious people young people who can wake up at 7 a.m. and attend a Rotary meeting and go to work in this time of COVID pandemic, which has surrounded the planet with a big, large cloud. And you are ready, you are hungry, you are thirsty, you want to develop. So what are the opportunities that you can see which are available to the young people of today's world? Let me tell you. You are walking on the shoulders of a few people who have survived. The rest are underground. They died fighting. They were young when they died. They were fighting to get peace, to get rid of horrible governments, killer governments, murderers. And now a lot of opportunities have come up. We have opportunities in oil and gas, minerals and extractives. This is the first time Uganda has looked down underground to exploit its resources. Never before had this ever happened. But what an exploration. Let me tell you something. These last few months have seen a flurry of activities in the conclusion of the agreements to do with oil and gas. All the agreements have been signed between Uganda and Tanzania. So we can take our oil to the Indian Ocean for the markets. But when this happens, we are going to be having an investment of between 15 to $20 billion. That means that GDP of Uganda, which is about 30 billion, is going to get an injection of about 20 billion all of a sudden in your generation. That 20 billion invest injection is bigger than the GDP of Burundi, of Rwanda, and of Southern Sudan all put together. Meaning that the economies of those three countries are going to be injected in the economy of Uganda all in one stroke of three years. And who is going to be exploiting that? It is you, it is you. We are going to be feeding. Now our agriculture, God gave us a country which is like none, none other. Our agribusiness and our forestry, our water, our fresh water, we host the largest basin of fresh water in the world, Lake Victoria. Uganda is the most 
freshwater networked country with rivers. Second to DRC. Our soils are exceptionally good without even fertilizer. So in the oil and gas, if they are there, yesterday I witnessed an agreement being signed where people are going to supply food and in a camp in Hoima, in Tireng. And this is going to require about 15,000 people in camps. At breakfast, every day, there will be an egg for everyone. There will be a tomato for everyone. There will be a mushroom for everyone. On a plate, there will be katogo, meaning matoke or beans or potatoes at breakfast every day. Who is going to supply that? It's our good culture and fertile soils. But if we sleep and we don't organize ourselves, you young people, we have to import these from Kenya and South Africa. We have fish that in itself can bring more money than oil and gas. We have minerals, which only one mine in, Bus in Busia on gold can give us 11 million ounces meaning it can wipe all, wipe all our international foreign debt in one stroke if we organize ourselves. There will be manufacturing. Of course, all these things cannot go without ICT. Now you guys, at your time today, if you are not digitally incompetent, you are like my mother who didn't know how to read and write, who did not speak English. There is tourism. Uganda was the most is the most one of the most gifted countries on earth with tourism potential. More than eleven national parks. You can't even go to a place like UK and find a national park. People are flocking in here to see what we have, what we have preserved, and then of course there is the flurry of activity in trade and commerce. The financial services, legal services, logistics, the transport, educational health, all these areas, education, health activities, the opportunities in health right now, COVID has opened our eyes that health is the number one priority. You can see all the budgets have been cut by 40% in order to address the health issues. You have seen how schools have been closed and the impact it has had. What has it done? It has brought ICT in the forefront. So people are doing e-learning. There is, when a country discovers oil and this resources, what happens is that all activities start going towards construction and real estate. That's why you see in places like Dubai, people have such big buildings. They all come from oil and gas. So we are going to see a big action front on the construction industry, real estate, coming up in Uganda. And we people like lawyers and doctors and architects and accountants and auditors, we will be so fully engaged. The creative arts, uh, all these will be shining because people with money in their pocket, they want to be entertained. They want to buy art. They want to listen to music. Now, all these are 12 sectors I've mentioned, which at private sector foundation, I, which I, I am privileged to chair, are the sectors we subdivided. 
in order to concentrate them, our fire and make sure that these sectors in every instance can give jobs, can put money in your wallet and you can walk in town with your money pass at the back pocket with money. You have an opportunity like no any other population. Let me tell you, we are helping at uh, PSFU to skill those of you who did not make it to university, or even those who made it to university with the wrong education, you still have an opportunity for skilling. And we are trying to do everything possible to make sure that we skill you so that you can be able to get these jobs. We have to completely disrupt our old thinking, our colonial type of education, which we had. We have to seriously think entrepreneurial. Stop looking for jobs, think about employing others. Do not come out and say, I'm going to look for a job and work from the day you leave university. That's the day the world faces you. That's when you start your education. Don't buy your shoes and walk in this whole street until your soul is got a hole because you're looking for a job. Look at the opportunities around you. No country is like Uganda with this type of opportunities. When a student finishes university with a PhD in London, they can't start even a shop on Oxford Street. Here you can start something because everything there is super saturated. All the opportunities have been taken. But here, all we need to do is to give you skills. So at PSFU, we are concentrating on, on, on skills development facility. We are working with international friends like MasterCard. They are giving us opportunities to help young people to be employed in decent jobs. We have programs which are really, really very, very good. I cannot go through all of them, but there are many, many opportunities. But for young people, I want to tell you, you are occupying time in Uganda at a very special, unique moment. Let me tell you, this country was always good, but the problem we had was peace. There was no peace in this country. You have, let me tell you my personal story. I woke up one morning and my neighbor came and told me that they are looking for me and they had just taken me and decided Bakulumpaji and others, people who, they used to see with seven in UPM. And they said they came looking for a man called Eric Aruhanga. To do what? To kill me. What had I done? Nothing. I was a young state attorney. Yes, that I used to hobnob around, excited like all young people, running after uh, a, new, a new wave of, of, of young madness as UPM and being seen hobnobbing with the president of seven, because we came from the same place there. My friend, it was not a joke because they had also gone to Mbarara thinking I was there to look for me and people in Mbarara called me. I had to dress like a woman, go to now Sheraton, book in as Sebagireka, Mrs. Sebagireka. Leave my young wife 
and my two babies and take off to Nairobi in a briefcase. In the car, I was thinking to drive. They stole it when I went to renew my passport that morning in order to escape. This, when I came out in the car park, my car was stolen. This is the type of life we led. By the way, by that time, I had already lost four cars as a young boy coming from university. They had been stealing cars like anything. At one time, they stole my car with my wife in. They told us to get out at the, at the um, this electoral commission. We were stopped by Tanzanians, even after liberation. They get out, you have a nice car, get out. We saw our car being driven off. Life has been so, now you are living in peace. You have no idea walking into Nairobi airport and getting out and you don't even have money to take you to town and you have nowhere to sleep. But you have just saved your life. And by the time your family joins you to go into exile and first be a refugee, Uganda is now a refugee recipient. It used to be a refugee exporter. You guys, you are living at a peaceful moment. Use it, utilize it. You have no idea. When I see people running around, playing with peace, talking this and that, oh God, I guess say these guys are just playing because their stomachs are full. You have no idea how to feed kids, small kids, when you have no job in exile. The journey I have seen about our country makes me so happy. I'm happy that in the afternoon of my life, I can see Uganda as it is, doing roads, doing electricity, building houses, carrying on education, hosting countries, signing agreements with neighboring countries, helping other countries like Somalia sort themselves out and Congo and South Sudan, Rwanda. I am happy to see what goes on right now. I see a government, I see us fighting to get a speaker, the debate on the deputy speaker, speaker, um, people fighting to become ministers and members of parliament. I see people rushing elections. And I look back and I say, oh my God, I wish we had this opportunity too. We didn't, we didn't. So God is there and you guys, you Rotarians, please take advantage of this peace. Do not misuse it. The, I don't know what to tell you, but the opportunities that oil and gas has brought in this moment of our time is such a godsend. The world has stopped using, they're stopping soon using fossil fuels. Uganda probably will be the last province to, to get companies to invest in oil and gas because now they are going for renewables. So with this investment, which I told you is about 20 or so billion, is, is unique. Other people with these resources might leave them in the ground to be there forever because the new technologies have come up. So the time has come for you, my fellow Rotarians, to really get on and, and think, and think and be equipped with technology. Digitalization is the way forward. 
Be armed with that instrument. Learn another language. Read. Don't be lazy. Wake up early in the morning. Plan your day. Have a vision. Have a vision. Keep to your vision. Decide what you want to do. The opportunities are there. The environment is protected. The political environment is okay. So, wake up, plan, think, decide, implement, have a vision, have a mission. There's one problem I have seen with young people of today. Allow me to be rude and share it with you. They want to drive the same car that the chairman of private sector foundation who was elected by the entire private sector. They want to drive the same car as Mr. Karhanga, the honorary consul general Seychelles, a lawyer with more than 40 years experience. Somebody who has been chairman of various organizations, banks, manufacturing concerns, ETC. They want to drive those cars tomorrow so they compromise on integrity. They compromise on, on everything that made me what I am. Let me end my story with telling you who I am. I was like Samuel and Nicholas, they are born in Chamunga, in a place where there, where there is PST. I grew up, I walked eight miles on foot without shoes going to look for a primary school. There were some rivers I couldn't cross. My elder brothers and neighbors who used to go to that school would carry me. I didn't even know why I was going there, but I had a decision to make when I was five years old and they we were staying in Ushenyi with my grandfather. And when people were going to another school called Rionza, my grandfather told me that I will never go to school because he loves me so much. I would have to stay with him, lighting his pipe. So I said, if this is the case, then I'm doomed at that age. And I walked from Bushing Shamhunga to look for my father who was living there with my mother. And I was terrible because I couldn't cross some rivers. And I had to stay five days in other people's homes until they discovered me and helped me to go home to my father. And I had a condition, take me to school or I'm going to kill myself. At that age, I had a vision. And I turned out to be the only person with a university degree in my family. I turned out to be the first lawyer in my whole clan. And I turn out now to be what I am, that I can be able to wake you up and you come and listen to me. You must have a vision. That determination is an animal instinct, the determination, have it. Once you have that vision, you will succeed. Every moment is very important. Use it, utilize it. 
Every time you close your eyes, when everybody else is busy working and you go to bed and cover yourself, that is a sign that you have just bought poverty in your life. In a country which has so much plenty, I wish to thank you for inviting me. One day, I'll tell you my story. Maybe in a book, if God wills, I will write. I love to be a Rotarian. And I thank you for making the decision to be a Rotarian. Thank you very much for listening to me. I will take some questions. Thank you very much, uh, Chairman, for giving us this beautiful insight. And hopefully that uh, both the young and the old have picked out something. And may I now kindly ask Kote and Veron Akankunda to take us through the question and answer session. Thank you. Uh, Veron, are you online? Uh, thank you very much, Chairman, for the session you've taken us through. May I kindly ask Rotai and Veronica Kankunda to take us through our question and answer session, please. Good morning, CP Sam. Sorry, my mic was still off. Uh, good morning, Rotarians, Rotaractors, guests on call for attending our fellowship. Uh, the chat room is buzzing with a lot of questions. I hope we have enough time. Thank you so much, Dr. Eli, for the detailed presentation. I'm sure all the millennials on call had to tap into whatever happened way back. Some of us, uh, we find those as stories. We are in a different generation. So we are really, really happy that you came to talk to us. I'll go straight to the chat room. The questions are very many. And our first question is from uh, Our first question is from uh, Rotarian. Um, sorry about that. The chat is buzzing. Okay, I'll just jump on any that I can see. Rotarian Edward is asking, how can we inspire the youth to stay home and innovate rather than flocking into I'm the sorry, middle? I'm not hearing. I've lost my volume. Please hold okay. on and I adjust my phone. All right. Can you hear me now? I'm sorry, I don't hear anything. Maybe something wrong with your volume. Uh, Sam, can you hear me or anyone else? I can, can, I can, hear, can hear you. Okay, no, let me can hear you. Increase, increase my voice, I think. Uh, Dr. No, Eddie, can, can you hear you. me now? Maybe you can give a chance to us. Who can, hear you now. can you start it? Can, can, you start us? can you start it again? Yes, because I had my, okay. my, 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 yeah, sorry. You can now hear me, doctor. So yes, I can hear you now. Thank you. So our first question is uh, from P.E. Edward. How can we inspire the youth to stay home and innovate rather than flocking into the Middle East in, uh, he called it modern slavery? I'll do three questions at an interval. So the other question is, the opportunities are there, but unfortunately there's an equal 
or unfair distribution of the opportunities and resources. And the young people are eager to work, but the older generation are clinging on to these jobs and positions, even after reaching retirement age. The third one, how can we ignore the concept of colonial education? We have become so obsessed with grades that we never give children a chance to innovate and be creative. It's a national crisis, according to me. How can we, as Rotarians, cause a revolution in our education sector? I think, Doctor, you can have those three, and then we continue on with the session. Over to you, Doctor. Can, can you hear me? Yes, doctor, go right ahead. Yeah, the first one is uh, slavery. Uh, why are Ugandans so eager to go for, for to, to become voluntary slaves? Yeah. It's because, uh, it's because uh, two reasons, in my view, I might be wrong. But first of all, I think that our education does not equip Ugandans with the skills enough to be employed or to be self-employed. And the, the reason is very clear. It is because of our educational system. And why is our educational system like that? It was designed for us to be like that. You see, after, you see, after the World War, the, the, the powers in Europe met what they called the World War, which was a European war. They met and decided that they, having abolished slave trade, they now must find a way of how to sustain their economies by getting us uh, into a situation where we will depend on them. And so the mentality of our education was geared towards studying the source of the Nile, who discovered the source of the Nile, and you can pass your exam or you can fail your exam if you know the source of the Nile and who discovered it. And it was a man called Samuel Baker. If you don't have that answer, you will not go anywhere. What is the purpose of knowing the source of the Nile? And you have to know that uh, Gladstone and Disraeli were fighting over Ireland. Uh, and trying to pacify Ireland. Now, what does a man from Chamuhunga, in God's name, want to know about the Disraeli and the Gladstone in, in their wars as prime ministers over the wars in Ireland? They did not want to equip me to know how to grow a majani tea. They did not encourage me to know how to look after cattle. They did not want me to know how to inject up to today I don't know how to inject a cow, and yet I'm a, ch a child of a cattle keeper. I cannot inject any cow. I cannot save it from any disease. But ask me about Shakespeare. I can recite for you Julius Caesar's book. I can tell you Mark Antony's speech. So when the time comes for me now to feed my children, and I have nobody wants to know about Mark Antony, and about the source of the Nile and about the war, the Majimaji rebellion, I, 
I, I have to do one thing. I have to go to look for jobs from those people. I'd rather die in Lake in Mediterranean than be in Cameroon looking for jobs and having nothing to eat. With my degree, I'd rather go to Dubai and work in the toilets and clean them in the malls. You go to Dubai in the malls and you find young Ugandan graduates standing inside the toilets, waiting for you to get out so they clean them. And they think they are better. Or they go in the middle of war in Iraq to, in that climate, leaving away their homes with very nice climate and land because we were not given those businesses. But anyway, I can go on and on and on. So what can we do to stop that? The answer is kill our people. Give them weapons. You know, what we now have is that some of the education you guys have, it's like I give you a machine gun, but I don't put any bullet in it. So every time you go to war, you try to shoot, you find that there are no bullets and people are shooting at you. So you drop the machine gun and you run to go and clean toilets in Dubai. It's so painful. It's so painful that this educational system, which is the second question, was meant deliberately to continue putting us into slave trade. So wake up, wake up. Let's change our educational system. Let the Minister of Education, I'm glad this is matter is being addressed. Let's change our curriculum. I'm glad that currently, I hear that I found Amanya Mushega has been appointed by uh, the Minister of Education to change an educational review on our curriculum. And with his colleagues like Honorable Nassar and others, and the commission is going on to readdress and reassess our slave mentality and get out of this nonsense. So that was the second question. What was the third question? I think the, the third, third question was not a question. I think the third question was really an answer. It was in regard to people who have failed to leave power. And when you mentioned oh, yeah. honorable... I, I, I know, I already told you that Actually, I, I can improve the figures. In Uganda, only 1% of the population, only 1% of the population is above 70. Can you imagine that? And I'm one, and I'm in that 1% of the population. So why are you caring about whether I'm employed or not? We are just none, we are very few, we are nothing. And that excuse is, for a, lame, is a lame excuse. Look at the current government, which President Museveni has appointed. How many old people are there? All the new permanent secretaries, which were read out, are fresh graduates. They are my children. Look at the new PS of, of finance. Look at the lady who has just, I had just recruited her. My board had recruited her in DFCU uh, on our board, uh, Madame Zawedi Emina. Amina, she's now PSICT, a young lady from Makere University teaching with a PhD in ICT. Look at the one who has gone into Minister of Energy, 
and lawyers. A young lady, a geologist, highly qualified. The whole, the whole network today, the ministers I have seen, all of them have swept us out of power. We are old age. So be glad in what is happening. If President Seven is old now, you say that, but he's appointed the population of young people. Take charge. Remember, remember that it was these young people, President Seven became president at the age of about 40, 39. These are young people who took over. They are the ones who fought the war. It is now you young people who are in charge of our economy. Go to every office, go to a bank, go to anyone. It is you young ones who are running the economy. So stop having the excuse of saying that 1% of the population who might have Moses Ali has a job. Don't cry over it. We are also still here. What do you want to do with us? You want to get us buried now? We might have some idea. Why are you listening to me if we are useless? Why? Why have you woken up to come and listen to this old man, Eric Arang? We have some value. We have seen things. You need some of it. A country which doesn't have elders is doomed. They will make a lot of mistakes. We have, you might have to want to listen to us. Also give us a chance to serve you when we can. Because we are really not taking over the jobs. Moreover, the civil servant now leaves their jobs at the age of 55, 60. The judges live at the age of 70. Look at my brother, Bat Katreri, very vibrant man, but he retired to give room to younger ones. The laws have already protected you. Don't have excuses. Wake up, grow, and work. You have more opportunities, train, skill yourself, improve on your integrity, which is your biggest challenge, this population. You are not, you are not reliable. Nobody can trust you with a the dollar. There is something fundamentally wrong on your values. Get up. Be trusted. Why do you think a person like me, I'm asked by every organization which I keep on turning down, turning down, turning down, almost every, people are looking for people with integrity. Whatever I own, nobody can envy me because I didn't steal it. I worked for it, and people know. The other day when I was, oh, some time ago, when I was being invited to one of the boards, they had to hire a company in the UK to do a thorough investigation of where was I born, what, what, when they were asking me about my mother, my, I was wondering, where am I finding? Where, where am I being battered by these characters? But it was a big, huge organization to be invited on their board was a big opportunity for me. So I wanted it, so I had to go through the nonsense. But if they had found one small black dot, I would not have been invited to chair such a big board. So please, wake up, wake up, wake up on integrity. More than anything else, more than even what you have in your hands, Integrity is your selling point. And tell you, you don't have any stock in your shop. Your stock in trade which you should sell is integrity. Be reliable. Let people say, that lady, she's reliable. That lady, she's trustworthy. That gentleman, rely on him. 
Let acquire that habit, you will be very successful. So thank stop, you, Dr. Bogar. Thank you so much, Doctor, for answering that. Uh, millennials on call, wake up early, plan your day, don't be lazy, have a mission and a vision, and stop lamenting. Those are my takeaways. Back to the chat room. Uh, Changemaker President Linda is saying opportunities are there if the young are exposed to business and financial skills in school with a relevant curriculum. I think you answered that uh, for, for us to have a fair working environment. Uh, the point here is the lower taxes for the new local entrepreneurs. If you could answer about yeah. the lower taxes, I think they are being choked with uh, very many taxes. Talking about Somalia, that's our second question. How are we as a country benefiting from Ugandan army being there? Let's have a third one for the interest of time. It's very unfortunate that the local entrepreneurs are being frustrated in favor of the, in favor of the foreign investors. Maybe you can answer that and uh, we go to the people who have their hands up. Over to okay, you, thank you. Yeah, I agree with you. I just want you to know something. The, the, way, the way our country was structured when we took it over, it has been very difficult for us to and, and disentangle ourselves from the web of, 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 of the way the economy was structured around the world. The whole world economy was structured, not by us, but by others for us. For example, can you tell me why we don't have a farmer's bank? Supposing all our farmers had a bank and they could get credit from that. And then the benefits that come out of farming, because Uganda is an agricultural country, and the dividends that come out were invested in Uganda. But now all the commercial banks, all the 21 commercial banks, they're all foreign. And so this is the time when we pay dividends. And yesterday, I think I can disclose to you, uh, the bank authorized one of the banks to pay the dividend. And I know that. So all these dividends, you can imagine a, a bank like Standard, it's the biggest bank, it has a lot of debt. Supposing those dividends were Ugandan dividends coming in not flying, not getting on the, at the airport and being put on planes to go out. Money made here. Supposing we restructured our economy. You know, the biggest bank in Netherlands is called Rabobank. It is the only one which survived the collapse of the economies of banks in the world during that crisis in 2007. It remained as a triple A bank. Do you know why? It is a, it is a bank owned by farmers in Netherlands. So supposing we re-engineered re our thinking about banking, about financial institutions, but it's not easy. It's not easy all of a sudden to come up and say, now dismantle banking, the way we know it, commercial banks, and start our own. It's not easy. We will be punished by IMF, by World Bank. They will, they will put us into a real situation. We had our bank, Uganda Commercial Bank. I was in parliament. We surrendered it. 
We surrendered it to Malaysians and other people who didn't even know how to go with it. And it ended up now in the hands of South Africans. And it's doing very well. It's employing a lot of Ugandans and it's making profit. And it's the Ugandans who are running the same bank. But we don't own it. It's, it's something that you have to see. There's so much to disentangle in our situation. I'm concentrating on this point because it answers the, all the questions they're asking me. So we have to look at COVID, what it has done. What a blessing sometimes, a silver lining from this dark cloud. COVID has come, has locked us inside our houses. Now we have to rethink how to survive in this economy. We have, the permanent secretaries have to think what to do. They cannot do the same things the way they were doing them. The ministers, members of parliament, the president, or everybody's look, we can't lock down people for 42 days. People who have been surviving from a daily basis. And now we might have to continue to lock them. But if you don't lock them, they will die. And if you look up, look at the type of people we are losing. Yesterday we lost. Honorable Kamuntu, the minister's son, one of the best trained people at standing in oil and gas of COVID. And that is a series of other very highly qualified professors we have lost in a few days. And now we have to rethink what to do ourselves. This COVID has woken us up, not only Uganda, it has woken Africa. It has, and yet Africa is, look, in in, in 2050, Kinshasa will be having 30 million people in the city. Uganda here, we are going to be 100 million people. Today, with Co Congo's population, is going to be bigger than that of China. Nigeria, I mean Nigeria, will be bigger than China in population. Let me tell you, we have to start planning long term. Now, if that happens, what happens? What is the food? Which country has food? Which country has the potential to give food to 100 million Ugandans and the East Africans? Look, only Kenya has a third of its country as Arab. The rest is dry. Uganda could feed Kenya. We don't need another market. So we have this agriculture opportunity. We have all these opportunities, guys. For us, we have lived, we have fought our wars, we have suffered, we have gone in exile, we have cried, we have suffered, we've been tortured, we've fought, we rescued our country. The, at one time, I, was, I remember somebody asked me in South Africa where I had ended up. Where do you come from? I said, East Africa. Which part of East Africa? I said, mm, East Africa, you know East Africa. I feared to say I'm from Uganda because of the shame of my country. Now I can tell anywhere in the world, I am Ugandan. I have dignity, we restored dignity to our country, for you. But people died in order for you to have the dignity of saying, I am Ugandan. Before we had lost the confidence to say you are Ugandan because people thought we were cannibals, that we put people's heads in fridges and eat them because our president was supposed to be doing that. We were a witchcraft country. We were doomed. We have restored our country. 
God, we are lucky to be Ugandans. And now we can feed the world. And now we can make our children proud to be Ugandans. And now we can ask you to be Rotarians and you can inculcate the idea of dignity and integrity. So what a, what a great morning for me to share these thoughts with you. Thank you. Wow, thank you so much, Dr. Sipi Sam. Do we still have time? I could take uh, two people who have their hands up. Yes, I have. Yes, we, we requested for some extension uh, so that we can have, we can tap into the great wisdom of chairman. So kindly take oh, some okay. more questions. Uh, Rotarian, you had your hand up but, first. Make it quick. But thank before you. that, I see you are 340. <laughs> 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 yeah, thank you very much, moderator. Thanks very much, past president Eli. Um, past president Eli, please summarize for me the mission of the private sector foundation and how the youthful entrepreneurs can benefit from the foundation. Thank you. Oh, thank you. We have a lot of um, a lot of um, programs for the youth. Um, we have a commitment to provide uh, jobs in three years to about uh, three million youth. And we are working on it through uh, some programs. We're working with MasterCard Foundation on that program. Um, we have uh, very many, and, and by the way, we have, I, I think you should invite me so that I come with my colleagues from um, from um, uh, PSFU to tell you what we have and to distinguish for you why private sector is very important um, and how, how government should regard private sector as, um, as a factor. Um, I will tell you that um, this SDF program we have, which is Skills Development Facility, has touched on very many people. I think we have more than a thousand small skilled people that we have, we have institutions we have worked with. And this program of MasterCard Foundation, we call it Young Africa Works, um, which we are implementing um, is, is also another, another fantastic one. We have another program there called uh, CEDP, which is Competitiveness Enterprise Development Project. This one we are working with the World Bank and it has reached a certain level where uh, we have changed, changed. If you go, to, for example, to the Uganda Registration Bureau, you would be very surprised to find that it's not like a, a government organization. It's like a private sector organization because we helped set it up. If you go to Jinja and look at the, what used to be called Crested Hotel, Crested Green Hotel, and see what we have done to build that organization to skill people to participate in the, you know, people who serve in the hotels and the hospitality industry you would be very pleased and that's private sector foundation. 
if you go to Ministry of Lands, any Ministry of Lands office in Uganda, you will find that uh, we have host, um, digitalized titles and things like that, and we've worked with this project to do that. And we're building another big facility in Kororo with the government through World Bank Assistance, where all the all the Uganda Investment Authority licensing this will be hosted. We have um, a livestock development program where we are helping farmers to go into farming for beef and things like that. We have another program called START, which says support to agriculture revitalization and transformation facility. This is a very good project and it's really worked very well. We have very many other projects which are uh, onboarded, onboarded and ongoing and some of them we are starting them. And we, we are also working with the East African Business uh, Council to touch the, to, to make sure that our markets in the region are open. Now, as you know, there is the intercontinental Africa in the Africa continental trade, free trade zone facility. We are working on that. Um, we have, we have, it's called, what is it called? It's called Africa continental free trade area with a population of 1.2 billion people and the GDP of about $3 trillion. This is a large market and we are working to make sure that Ugandans take advantage of such low-hanging fruits. So we, you can see with the Chamber of Mines and Petroleum, which I have been chairing, um, with the $20 billion, I told you, these opportunities that are going to happen between Tukura and Burisa, uh, going through about 11 districts, on, will be spreading and spreading money all over the place. So really, it, we at Private Sector Foundation have, when you hear, they read the budget, something, uh, this last budget, we contributed 73% of those ideas were accepted by the government. So we don't sleep at, at and we are working now, for example, on importing vaccines for, for you. We are working on, on, we are contributing a lot in health brought a thousand beds to Morocco the other day for COVID. We are very, we are working every day. And right now I'm going in a meeting from here with the top companies to see how we can contribute the money to bring in vaccines to help and buttress the government effort. So thank you. I mean, there's so much, but I would love to bring, you know, you, uh, my people from PSFU who can tell you what we are doing. Quite a lot of work. And thank you for being 340 people listening to me this morning. And thank you for attending. And I'm sure you have been listening to me. And uh, the things I didn't say, you must have felt what I would have liked to say to you, but there's no much time. So I sincerely thank you for inviting me, Rotarians. I'm, I'm glad I am a Rotarian. I'm proud I'm a Rotarian. And I'm proud that I try to live the vegetarian ideal.
Thank you, Doctor. Uh, let's have uh, Dr. Mike Sebadu ask a question. We still have some minutes. Mike Sebadu shouldn't ask me any questions. <laughs> he has he a hand up. He knows Thank better you. things than I do. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, my uh, very respected friend. I really take you in very high regards because of your track record. I just wanted you to help us understand how Uganda Private Sector Foundation is uh, positioned within the greater East African community uh, integration arrangement, uh, creating synergies across uh, the region to open up opportunities for young people in the region. Thank you. Um, I think for me, you know, Mike, first of all, good morning. It's such uh, I, Rotarians, this, this gentleman who asked me the question, he knows all the answers. And he's one of the few Ugandans I really, really respect because I've worked with him, I've seen him. But yes, one of the motivating things that make me try to be in, in service now is to be to do some work for East Africa. Frankly, if Uganda does not work hard for the Federation, we are, we are dancing on, on water, we are going to sink. We cannot become this competitive as we should be in today's race, for the, race of nations for development. East Africa is our number one opportunity if we federate or whatever name we call it. And we cannot federate if our private sectors are divided the way they are. If we continue with these frontiers um, hindering our common identity. You know, I told you earlier on that during the time when Ugandans were killing each other, I saved my neck by being in South Africa. You could drive from Cape Town to Durban, which is the distance between, between um, the deep end of Rwanda to Ethiopia. And it's one country. But for us here, we still have these boundaries. And I cannot sell my matoke across the border in Tukula. And yet, it is just a walkable distance because of the border. And even the little border that I have with Atkatuna is closed by politicians. We are. We, we, I don't know what's going on, but as private sector foundation, we have worked quietly, even with Rwanda, trying to ask them to, to lift this border. I have spent time talking to Rwandese leaders quietly without going through politics to see what can they do to, to lift and to allow us to trade. And they can continue fighting their political wars, but leave our people to live together, leave our relatives to greet each other. 
we, we have worked with Tanzanians. Yesterday, I spent the whole day talking to the Tanzanian uh, business forum, the whole day on Zoom, trying to see how we can work together to take advantage of oil and gas and get our companies to mingle and, and partner and start working from Dar es Salaam to, to Risa with the Ugandan and Tanzanian company, one company in partnership. Before we invite companies from Qatar and Kuwait and, 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 and France. And, and it was not easy. It was not easy, but we are trying. I wrote a letter to KEPSA. KEPSA is the equivalent of private sector foundation and asking them that we need to meet. But of course, COVID came. I wanted us, the whole board, to go and meet the board of, of, of Kenya so that we ask them, why can they not allow our milk in Kenya? And yet, when you go to Nakasero today, everything we are saying there is from Kenya. Why, why, why? They didn't even reply my letter. We, we have a challenge. The other day I talked to the Sudanese leadership, the ministers, and as private sector, we want, we fought to liberate South Sudan. But when our people go there with our trucks, carrying, taking food to them, they shoot our drivers. There is a lady who had just bought a lorry, a widow. She bought a lorry, took a loan from our bank, and her driver was killed. Her lorry was taken. And she went to look for it. She came back with a bullet in her buttocks. And with a loan hanging on top of her and crying in my office. So the bank doesn't sell her little house. So somebody asked the question, you've done so much in Somalia. What arrangements have you got? What are we getting out of Somalia? We are getting the peace because if we, Somalia was overrun by Al-Qaeda, you could remember at Rogobo when we were seeing the World Cup, what Al-Qaeda did to us, eight of our people were murdered for no reason other than they were looking at a football match. So we stopped this river of madness to come into our country by going to Somalia, but also we saved the Somalis. You can't believe that now in Somalia, people wake up and go to school. It's, it's like a miracle. This was done by Ugandans who landed in the middle with planes at the airport controlled by Al-Qaeda and took over and sacrificed. But we have now brought peace there. So one day Somalia will be, but we need as private sector to find ways in roads of supplying food and items and trading with Somalia, great trade people. So we had with the same thing with Congo. You have seen now we are doing a road to Congo. We are doing roads with, with the new leadership. Instead of just fighting, Congo, the Congolese market, the East and Congo is bigger than Uganda. The, we, we've, we liberated Rwanda, we helped to liberate Rwanda. They don't want sometimes to hear such things like that. But we are doing very good business with Rwanda. And this business was not only helping Ugandans, they were also helping Rwandese. We have spent so much time on Burundi. And why this peaceful region, 
I want it to be like the whole of South Africa because that's about the land size we have. And you can move from one end of South Africa from Venda to Bloemfontein to, to Cape Town to East London. But to do that here in this region, Mike, we have to go through with the passport, with the, with the questions, with, I tell you. So we private sector people, we are determined, we are spending time behind the scenes, working with private sector in various counties, with trademark, trying to break these barriers, trying to reach politicians, to wake them up. I know politicians, Mike, you are very important people. I have been there. We are called honorable. We walk with our heads high. We get the first chair. We get addressed. If I go, for example, imagine I'm chairman of private sector foundation. In Uganda here, if I go and attend the ceremony, a wedding, a church, they will address all the important people there. LOC one chairman, LOC three chairman, honorable member of parliament. They will never address anybody, private sector, even if he's employing 5,000 people. These are insignificant players. Our mentality is wrong. We are working hard quietly. It's as if we are thieves. If I attend a meeting in government with government officials, for example, I attend COVID meetings of the prime minister. Ministers will speak from morning to evening. If I put up my hand to speak, it will be the last one. And I'll be given just a small slot say something, it's like I'm wasting people's time. But you know, this mentality will end one day by talking to you people and, and understanding what private sector is, by understanding its leadership, by understanding its role, to create an East Africa that is unbeatable. There is no country in the world which is as beautiful as East Africa. No country has our weather, no country has our resources, no country as our nice people, our population is happy. Most of the populations are unhappy. We have the happiest population in the world, the East Africans. We are happy people. And in fact, it's recorded even by UN that Uganda is the happiest country in the world. So you know that. And we want to take advantage of it as private sector. But we want young people to have integrity, please, Banange. We have lost the sense of direction on our integrity. Just, you know, this, this COVID has tested us, has tested us and has given us an opportunity, a big, big opportunity to rethink, to revitalize, to readjust, to reassess, to re-engineer our thinking, our mentality. God bless us and give support to private sector. I tell you, I've never been engaged in the meetings since my career as a worker, as I have been engaged since I took over the leadership of private sector. We speak, I have never seen a board which almost meets almost every week, but we had to, in order to wake up the sleeping dogs. Look, for example, during this COVID, I just tell you the, the pity we have. Private sector had brought a lot of containers. They are stuck at URA because they can't get to them. Some of them are stuck in Chicago. They cannot even access some of them. Some of them have perished. Some of them were perishable. Others have expired. People cannot even access and open them and take them and sell them 
in the suburbs. So we have challenges. People are indebted to banks like you have no idea. And this is not just Uganda. This is now going on in Kenya, going on in Tanzania. So private sector, we have these challenges and we need government to work with us and to understand us, personal to hear us. So I'm so happy that yesterday, the new craft parliament agreed that private sector will meet all heads of committees. And we are starting next week with the committee on trade and the chairman has already called me. So I am happy that things are happening, happening and private sector in Uganda is being appreciated even by Rotary. Thank you. Thank you so much, Doctor, for the detailed presentation. Uh, I'll give uh, Rotarian Huda a chance to ask as we wind this up. Rotarian Huda, over to you. Uh, thank you so much, moderator. I want to thank uh, Rotarian Eli Karahanga for the very wonderful insights. And I wanted to cause um, from the circles, where I belong. I am a Rotarian. I am a member of the Uganda Women Entrepreneurs Association. I am a member of UZIA and UMA. And all the youth in these associations are very ambitious youth. They are not the kind that you are describing in, in, in your presentation. But what I see lacking amongst most of us is people have these very brilliant and good ideas and they know exactly how to execute, but the means of execution is what is lacking. They lack finance because even the businesses that they have right now that, you know, is the reason as to why they belong to these associations cannot fund the ideas they have. And they don't have the support from the from government to be able to, you know, execute the ideas. And they also, also the people who have the money to help them execute the ideas have a mentality like the one you've just described that youth are not don't have integrity. So it's even hard for the older people who might have the money to help the young ones to partner with them because they are biased in the way that you've just talked about right now. So how do we bridge that gap? Because the the, the means to finance their projects is almost nowhere because the banks have a very high borrowing rate. They, they do not even have the assets that are required as collateral in the financing institutions. They need the finance support. They cannot access that finance support because of, the, of, the, of that gap that you have, or you've already described. So how do we go about this? How is private sector or as individuals think about this? Thank you. Uh, Doctor, before you answer, let me ask uh, CP Bob to also submit his question, and then you can take them on. Okay. CP Bob. Uh, thank you very much for the wonderful presentation. It's my pleasure, my honor to be here and to hear from Dr. El Kalanga. Uh, mine will be a specific doctor. The other day, the, pres the president declared a decree on all contractors who have been working with the government doing works for Minister of Health and Minister of Education. And then it clearly that it will be extended to other sectors. Uh, doctor, you know, as private sector, we, we, we play a great role in um, completing the economic cycle of this country. Uh, I would like to hear from you, Doctor, where does TFCU come in 
to uh, readdress the, the presence directives and then how we protected as private sector. People have been uh, creating jobs. Uh, people are going to go on the streets now. Uh, how, how are we going to also uh, entangle into the taxation because that tax base has been uh, automatically cleared away. Uh, I'll look forward to hear from you, doctor, on that very good issue. Thank you. Let me start, uh, Madam Huda, let me start with that one. I also saw the president directed that uh, most of the, that all the jobs to do with the Minister of Health and, and which one? Minister of Health and- Education. And, and education. education, yeah, will be, will be carried out by, by, the, by the army, right? Engineering department. Yes, doctor. Now that, that is uh, disturbing because it's like shooting yourself in the foot. Because if that is the case, then it means that the jobs are not competitive, that will not get the best price. Because the good thing about private sector is that you tender and the best company wins. But if a company is going to get jobs automatically, then their tendering process is not going to be giving you the best that you can get out of the money that you have. Because there is no competition. Secondly, we are trying to develop our internal capacity of private sector. So you are already blocking us. So we are preparing right now, I can tell you, we are preparing uh, a letter. Uh, we like to work these days a lot behind the scenes because that we have found out that in Uganda, you can achieve a lot if you work behind the scenes. But if you go confrontational, you end up getting politicized and you end up getting uh, the issues that you wanted to sort out, not sorted. So we are working, uh, we've done our letters uh, to respond to that. And uh, trust me, we are, we are working with the, the sector, construction sector to give us all the facts and we are addressing them. And I'm sure that we'll take them to cabinet and they will be addressed. And uh, some of these decisions will be, will be reviewed. Um, so it's good that we have a very good engineering department in the army, uh, which can help us on the railway because normally we're using Chinese companies. It's very good that we have such a thing. The other day I saw a film on Ruero Industries, what is going on there. They helped us making the oxygen, they are making the bullets, they are making the guns, they are making this, they are making that. But they are also doing a lot of very good work on training engineers for fight for, for engineers for aircraft and all that stuff. They are manufacturing water. So they are participating. And the fact that they are manufacturing water should not stop us from having Renzori also uh, manufacturing water. So we need, we need to make sure that they also come in and become competitive. I would like, for example, when I'm going to, to build a house, to go to, to the engineering department and take a new quote and, and go to, to another company, Motor Angel, Rocco, this, can you quote? And then I get the best deal. But if I block, 
No, that is dangerous. That is not business-like. That is like waking up one morning and taking a decision without seeing the end result of that decision. Now, Madam Huda, I have now even forgotten your question. Um, because I got carried away with this because it has been disturbing us a lot. And we didn't okay, know how my to question. My question yeah. was more for access to finance for the youth who have very brilliant ideas, but may not have the means to finance their ideas. They have yes. a vision, they, they have, they, they can yes. do, they can yes, execute, but there is no way they can finance what it is they want to do. Yes. Again, again, it goes to the idea I told you earlier on about the way um, the World Bank IMF dictates the issues. If you go, to, for example, to Bank of Uganda to come up with new ideas on financing, you will find a name, I, 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 one of those representatives from Washington in the meeting listening in. And they will tell you in commercial banks that this is a startup business, we cannot finance it. And yet young people have to do startup business. So how are they going to do startup business with their new ideas if they cannot be financed? If you can, banks can only finance ongoing businesses. So we at Private Sector Foundation have addressed this matter in detail. And we are happy, first of all, with the government because they have come up with some ideas. They have come up all the time with ideas in yoga, um, all these ideas have been going on. And, um, but when they give them to the, some of the youths, they do it in, not in a very structured manner. We have been observing this. Then we have seen Operation Wealth Creation, what it has been doing with supplying seeds to people, to women, to youths, and, and to, to, to our people. We have seen efforts of government and we appreciate that. But we as private sector, we have our own way now of wanting to add value to what the government is doing in the Nyoga. This is why we have what we call the lead farm structure, which you are working to get to work with the youth and to get them to start businesses. We are also working out what we call a catalytic fund. We are thinking that we should have a fund which will we call it catalytic, which will, you know, will be a catalyst for young people to, to get some start, some start opportunity in business. But we are not a bank, so we are not qualified to do banking, but we are, we are looking for this type of funds which do interventions. So we will be working with partners like microfinance, we'll go to them and team up with them to become partners with the Young Africa Works, who will go to Operation Wealth Creates, Wealth Work as partners to look for young people, especially women, young women, to work with them. We will work with other partners who are already in the field to make sure that we inculcate business ideas into their organizations and to be able to follow up. When the president was giving money, for example, to people in Nansana who are doing carpentry, if we had worked with the president, for example, to 
when you give money to this group, leave private sector behind so that we can help them with accounting, with auditing, with appreciation of business principles. This fund would last long, but when you go back a year later, you find that that organization has collapsed. And I was not saying that all the young people have no integrity. No, please, Madam Hoda, do not misunderstand me. Far from it. We have amazing young people. I'm so proud about you. When I go everywhere these days, I see young people doing amazing things. You have no idea uh, what we, the other day we had this sector with ICT. The young people, what you are doing is commendable. In fact, I'm very proud of you. I was addressing a section of youth who have decided that they can oh, make oh. Yes. So thank God we have you guys. We are relying on you. I am not saying that I'm condemning the, the youth. No, I think you misunderstood me. I am proud of you. I am glad that you are doing what you are doing. You are trying, but you have no financing. But private sector, our board is spending all the time. We have recruited even yesterday, we recruited people with PhDs to work in private sector to help us answer most of these questions. And I can tell you, we are working with the Minister of Finance, uh, with the new leadership, with Ramadan, who has been our active member. You've been seeing him on television with all our conferences. We are working to make sure that the government works in tandem with private sector so that we can make a difference. COVID has helped us. And we know the importance of youth, and we know the importance of financial intervention and skilling. This is where we are putting our energies. Thank you, Madam Muda, for asking that very important question. Thank you so much, Doctor. For because of time, we are running out of time. We really want to thank you for your time. Thank you for answering all the questions. The chat is still full up with questions, but I'll beg to sadly in the q and a session here we'll follow up with the other questions in the chat that we haven't asked back to you, cp you. sam thank you, thank you very yes. much uh Veron. good morning uh, uh, a moment with on. the chairman okay oh, okay. Okay, okay okay yes a yes. moment with chairman and tapping into his great wisdom is is a conversation i know if we uh, let open we can even be here till 2025 uh, but we want to appreciate everyone on call. Uh, we note your questions, but we also note the many appreciations uh, that are in the chat room. And also uh, people who have offer, provided some solutions in terms of chats in the chat room. Um, allow me ask um, immediate past president uh, uh, Maseki, you know, we should to kindly give a vote of thanks to chairman. Oh, so Kenya wish was here. That's good. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much to you, uh, Honorable Dr. Eli Karhanga, for giving us uh, uh, this amazing talk. To you, our speakers, um, our participants that have been on call, almost 400 uh, have uh, participated here. It is an opportunity for us to have heard from a very renowned uh, lawyer, uh, politician, uh, leader, among many others. The presentation was very deep. It was very empowering, brutally honest, realistic, relevant, and prescriptive. 
to those that are young and middle-aged that have had will never be the same again. And your emphasis to the need to respect senior people for the matter is a very big message because we continue to see many young people as respect for the senior people and the aged people going low. The youth that are here should know that they will never stay young forever, that at one time they will also become seniors and maybe the youth of that time may be respecting them or disrespecting them. You have exposed the passion for mentorship of young people and your contribution to Uganda's vision is much appreciated. The voyage or the journey that you have taken us through in terms of the political uh, changes in government, the political opportunities that we have, the peace that we always take for granted, in terms of the education, the trade and, and uh, technological cycles is very uh, timely. The power of being youth is very important and you have emphasized that uh, waking up early as a discipline, as just one discipline, you have reminded us of the opportunities that are available here for us in Uganda, in all sectors of the economy, with special emphasis to Uganda's oil and gas sector, agriculture, education, health, entertainment, technology, to mention but a few. The story of walking miles and miles to school without shoes speaks to speaks many volumes, speaks to many people. The walk from Bushiri to Chamuhunga and staying in other people's homes is a story that we need to see documented and written for us and our children and the next generations to read and learn from. A vision at five years of age, it all starts at a young age and it's no wonder that you're successful. You have reminded us that our skill may not be enough and the opportunities that are there at PSFU and many other institutions that you are chair to the need for career realignment where necessary. You have also reminded us to avoid young madness. Indeed, there's a lot of young madness. The laziness, we need to, we need to have integrity as young people. I'm also considering myself young. The value system and be reliable. You're speaking from your heart. And these are true nuggets, brutally honest principles that we have put. We will learn to identify the opportunities live in the moment, embrace the power of learning, planning, waking up, taking decisions and implementing the decisions that we have. You have reminded us to be visionaries, but also to be patient, to adapt the animal attitude and avoid bringing poverty to ourselves because Uganda has all opportunities for us. We are honored to have been exposed from, with the nuggets from your generation a generation that had all the intellect but had no opportunities in terms of peace and political environment. You have inspired us and reminded us that we have all the opportunity, but we may not have the vision and the zeal that you had. And so we will harmonize that. You have taught us to imagine. And above all, as I conclude, you have reminded us to stop making excuses. And indeed, we should stop making excuses. I thank you very much, Honorable Dr. Elika Ruhanga. It was an opportunity for us to hear from you and we wish to have more sessions on mentorship of the youth in Uganda since we are the they are the majority. Thank you very much once again for God and my country. You're so kind. You're so kind.
Thank you very much, our youth. Uh, immediate past president, uh, Maseki Nobuisho, for that very, very humbling and very uh, beautiful vote of thanks. Allow me ask our Sergeant at Arms to give us the statistics uh, for this morning uh, in a brief. Uh, thank you, CP Sam. Um, we had so many people in attendance. We are so happy to have you guys join us this morning. At the peak, we, have, uh, we had about um, 357 people in attendance. The clubs we had in attendance were over 70, and I've noted them in the chat room. In case your club is not on the list, please uh, let me know via private chat, and we will include it. Thank you. Back to you, Sam. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Sergeant at Arms. And uh, to make clear that on top of over 70 clubs uh, that have been on call with us, we also want to appreciate the guests uh, who have been on call. And uh, guests, most importantly, who are not Rotarians, the question is, what are you waiting for? Joining Rotary is one of the opportunities that uh, Chairman has also been talking about uh, to be able to session and to work with great people, to learn and to make this society a better place. So the question we leave to you is why are you not yet a Rotarian? Please get in touch with the closest club near you, the closest Rotarian near you, and please join this great fraternity of people who have taken a north with their lives to serve and change humanity. Thank you very much. And uh, allow me to uh, thank all the Rotary leaders that have been on call and leaders even our private sector who have joined on call. There are very many, I can't note them one by one, uh, but also appreciate um, Doctor for sparing your very beautiful morning to allow us to tap into your great, great wisdom. And we look forward to uh, chatting more and most likely one of these days when we get back to Chamhonga, be sure we shall deliver very beautiful Haifa uh, to you. We cannot thank you enough. We can't give you anything uh, that probably you've not achieved in your journey and your career, but to say, may God bless you abundantly and bless you for us and bless you for this continent and bless you for this world because we need people like you. We still need you for your great counsel, for your great wisdom, for your great steering, for where the future lies, and most importantly, the mentorship you give to us every single morning. Allow us uh, to kindly ask our DGE, Honorable Dr. Mike Sevalu, to give us the final toast. Wow, thank you, so kind. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> thank you very much, uh, Chatter President. Can we be all upstanding for the final toast, wherever we are? Let's observe the etiquette of Rotary as we conclude a fellowship or a Rotary meeting. Uh, for such a wonderful, informative, inspiring, motivational, very well presented and well researched a presentation by Honorable Dr. Elika Rohanga, for all the people that were on call, the range of 357, for all our very enterprising, dynamic 
and versatile young people gainfully engaged in production and processes for all the Rotarians, for the Rotary Club of Kampala Morning Stars under the able leadership of Chatter President Sam, who have organized this interaction for us and for the future of our country and the future of our young people in enterprise, I toast the Rotary International. Rotary World Over. Rotary is over. No, thank you. <laughs> thank no, you. no, don't thank confuse you. us. Rotary is not over. It is Rotary World Over. <laughs> oh my God, that was oh my oh. You, you, are, you, are, you are going to mislead the new Rotarians. State the right thing. The best. Oh. Don't talk as if you.